0: Chapter Ten of The Gray Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Gray Man by S. R. Crockett. Chapter Ten. Sir Thomas of the Topknot. My guard of honor did not leave me till I was within the sight of the towers of Cassillis. When David Crawford and his men parted from me with silent salute, nor had the dyke back hiding gentry so much as ventured to show their faces. So I rode down to Cassillis Yet, a well kenned place and famous in story. Down a smooth green mead I rode to it. At the gate the porter, a surly rogue, bade me stand. Stand thou, hang thee, pock-faced varlet, I cried. Hasty and up with the gates, or thine ass's ears shall answer for it, nailed incontinent to a post. Whereupon, seeing him wandering and still wavering, I drew off my glove and flashed the earl's broad signet-ring at him. I declare he laid hold of the pulley like one demented. I trust, noble sir, that ye'll not mention the matter of my hasty greeting to my lord, he said to me as I passed, for the rascal was shaking in every limb. Let it learn ye to be better scraped as to the tongue for the time to come, I answered sharply, for I was none sorry once for all to read the villain a lesson. There is nothing better than a man who worthily and for his office's sake magnifies his office, but there is nothing more scunnering than that a menial knave in pride of place should beard his betters. In the hall of Cassillis, while I waited for my lord, I met the old man of strange aspect who had been with us upon the red moss he was dressed in a long lank robe like a soutane and he carried a book with him very filthy and tattered in this he read or pretended to read by wiles muttering and mumbling the words over to himself seeing me stand alone he came over and began to speak to me about matters that i knew not of something that concerned the black vault of dunieux so i understood him to say but his appearance as he talked caused me to laugh though being an old man i did not let him see it his head appeared as bold all about as is a hen's egg but on the very crown there was an oval place of a hand's breadth or thereby from which dropped a crest of yellow white hair very laughable and ludicrous for as the old man talked the silly coxcomb on his crown waggled and being toothless his jaw waggled also so that the nutcracker jaw underneath and the waggling plume aloft might well have made a cat laugh i am sir thomas toad he mumbled when i began to get a little familiar with his shambling speech i me sir thomas toad he pronounced the word as though it had been the name of the foul beast that squats on its belly the famous sir thomas toad am i i dear mother mary i mean christian friends but a feck of life it has been my lot to see i thought within me what a strange old scare the crows this was to have the name and style of knighthood so i asked him what were his ancestral possessions i am only poor sir thomas toad chaplain to two mighty earls he said shaking his head and waggling his top-knot till he looked more like the father of all the apes that ever were than a sober cleric even so he went on i was bred to holy church i mean brought up in ignorance to serve the whore that sitteth on the seven hills i was chaplain to the old lord gilbert the father of the earl john that is ah many a time did i shrive him soundly and none needed it more faith but he was a ripe crusted old sinner and sir thomas toad chuckled a senile laugh at his memories of the bygone wickedness of the great Faith, I doubt shrewdly that he fries for it now. For in these days there are no prayers to hoist men out of purgatory by the telling down of the good broad bonnet pieces. More's the pity for poor honest churchmen. Ah uh, me, the times that were, the times that were. The old man paused a moment to think the matter over, and then very visibly his mind went wandering after some greater and yet choicer wickedness which he might retail to me. Have you ever heard he said at last of the roasting of the Abbot of Crossragel, man? I was there, yes, I was there, Tom Toad was there, and turned him on the iron brander till I burned my fingers, and the ancient rascal beat merrily on the floor with his stick and charked together his toothless gums. Now sit ye down, and I shall tell you all that took place in the black vault of the just then i saw a sun red-faced woman ample of bosom and with many plies of wily-coats pleated and gathered about her rise from the black stairhead, even as Domini mure fables that venus a heathen goddess but one of whose ongoings i own it diverts me greatly to hear did from the sea with three strides she came across the hall and caught sir thomas toad by the shock of yellow-white hair on his crown be you at it again she cried i will give you your fill of the black vault of doddering old bletherer that ye are who is it to turn my spit i would have you tell me gin you waste your time yammering to one chancy lazybones of the black vault of black vault of indeed you have told your lies till i declare you grow to believe them yourself so without a word of protest from the knightly lips of sir thomas toad he was led below his head nodding and bowing as his captor shook the yellow top knot. After the pair were gone, I laughed both loud and long, so that they had to fetch me nigh on a gallon of strong ale to recover me of my access of mirth, and prepare me for the presence of the Earl. And right certainly did I vow within my heart that it would not be long before I renewed my acquaintance with Sir Thomas and his tyrant, for it seemed a strange and merry thing to see an Earl's chaplain so used. It was indeed many a day since I had seen such sport. At last I was led in to the earl. He sat in a rich dressing-robe flowered with gold, and a leather-bound book with knobs and studs of brass lay open beside him. It was the account-book of his estates and overlordships. What was that loud mirth I heard a moment since? He asked, for the earl John did not seem to be in the best of tempers. Indeed he was said never to be canny to come near when he was in the same house as his wife a thing passing strange But not wholly without precedent I answered that I laughed at a good story of sir Thomas toad his private chaplain my what he cried Oh you mean old toad of the topknot? Was his story about the black Volta jr? And without stopping for an answer he went on with one of his proverbs just as though he had not sent me on an errand and that in peril of my life i never met a young man so broadened on wiseacre and proverbs in my life it was clean ridiculous though well enough in a gapped-toothed grandfather no doubt the loud laughter of the idle gatherers no gear said old john no replied i but since it cheers the heart it costs less than your good strong ale ay but he said breaking in and looking pleased but you have had some deal of that too i can smell it then he looked briskly up as if delighted with himself for his penetration and catching me with my hand held guiltily before my mouth he smiled well he said can you not come to the point why stand so long agape what of your mission so being nothing loath i told him the whole matter much as i have related it in this place and though at the beginning he sat calmly enough to listen, long before I had finished, he was striding up and down the room, gripping at his thigh, where for common he wore his sword. For, after all, Earl John was a true cassilis, and neither craven nor hen-hearted. And they roared upon you standing still. Nay, you did well. I wish it had been I. Man, I will give you the horse you rode upon, and all the caparison. I declare I will. For which i thanked him in words but in my heart i said it is an easy present to give that which is your uncle's and hath indeed been mine for weeks then he seemed to remember for he said but give me back my signet you have done well and on lammas day you shall do better will you take a ring or a sword for a keepsake a moment only i divided my mind a ring if good would indeed buy many swords but Cassilis was not the man to give a ring of price. Contrariwise, a sword was a thing that all men had good skill of, and for very shame's sake, a good sword would he give. I crave the sword," said I briefly. "Ye have chosen like a soldier. I shall not grudge you the wail of swords." The Earl made reply, smiling upon me, well pleased so with that he went out into the armory and came back with the noblest sword i had ever seen blade hilt and scabbard were all inlaid with scrolled damascus work of gold thin-limbed and delicate i never saw the like and my blood leaped within me i declare to my shame nigh as hotly as it did when marjorie kennedy kissed me on the brow in the arbour of the pleasance of the house of killein buckle it on and take it with you said the earl lest looking long upon it my heart should smite me and i want it back again so i thanked him and presently was gone without great ceremony lest indeed it should be so stay the night at cassillis he cried after me i have a letter to send to my eam the tutor in the morning End of chapter ten